welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Azim Dasbak, and I would like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Emma Gout. Emma Gout is an award-winning filmmaker and author of the book, My Beautiful Psychosis, Making Sense of Madness. In this book, she tells her story to change the perceptions and destigmatize psychosis. She also has a passion for dancing tango and is currently living in Buenos Aires, where she has a weekly wheel off. Hello, Emma. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Uh, so I wanted to start by asking you if you can um, tell us a little about yourself and what motivated you to write the book, My Beautiful Psychosis. Yeah. Um, well, I've realized over my life that I am a storyteller. That's that's like what I have to offer the world. And I started out um, actually as a documentary filmmaker. And my motivation was I wanted to affect change in the world and documentaries were a powerful medium for that. Um, but then, and I was working in television and at the BBC when I had um, that first um, psychotic episode. And actually, during the recovery of that, after hospital, at home, that's when I first started writing about it, um, way, way back at the beginning. Um, I really wanted to tell people what um, a, a terrible time I'd had. It, it was a need, it was a human need to share um, traumatic experience. And so that was initially what prompted me to write about it. But I dropped it because I could see um, I'm just trying to convince people about, you know, what a terrible time I've had. This, this, there was no, there was, it, it didn't motivate me enough to actually, you know, write the whole book then. And so many, many years went by before I actually decided, wow, I'm going to write this, this whole book and publish it and, and you know, and be really, really committed um, to it. Um, and I actually married a writer to begin with, and I could see then how writing was, was a possibility for me um, before I had actually um, didn't even consider that I would be a writer. I mean, I, I studied English, I have a degree in literature, but it was always something somebody else did. So I just reached the point at which um, I... I, I brought it off the shelf again because I kept trying to write and putting it on the shelf and bringing it back down and putting it on the shelf. And eventually one day I just, just committed. I just said, okay, I'm moving into a tent. I'm taking the finan financial pressure off and I'm going to write it. And my motivation was really because I am a storyteller and I believe in the power of story to affect change in the world by inspiring people and um, I felt that I had an important story to tell. I met lots and lots of people um, who'd been through similar things. And it seemed like a good way to, um, for me to affect change. I didn't want to work in the mental health system and try and change it from the inside. But I thought if I told my story, 
um, then that would be a really good way of going about it because there's something about story which just gets um, into the unconscious, you know, and it seeps through into somebody and it really connects deeply with a person's soul. Um, and yeah, the, the, the power of it to, to, to affect change was really why, why I wrote it, why I finished writing it and why I published it. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it was a beautiful book. Thank and, you. Um, so during your first episode, right after, um, you mentioned that um, the psychiatry field, um, and then all through your book, you mentioned that the field of psychiatry, the medical field, um, failed to address your needs. Um, mm. Can you tell us how you feel like um, the whole field uh, failed you? Yeah. Um, I guess as I've found out more about what my needs are over time, I've seen where they weren't met. And um, the, I must just put a disclaimer at the beginning of, of this answer is that the first episode happened in 1996. So that was quite a long time ago now. And I, I know that um, the mental health system is changing. So um, but in 1996, when I first entered the system, it was very much about, um, and it still is to a lot to a lot extent, is about medicating people. Um, there's very little help and support in, in 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 what you're actually going through, in making sense of any of it, um, and in um, creating a safe space to explore all of that it's just seen as as something going wrong even you know a chemical imbalance in the brain it's just chemistry and we need to change the chemistry of your brain and we need to bring you back and we, we want you back how you were as quickly as possible and that was my experience was that there was something horribly wrong with me and if I would just take the medication and do as I'm told, you know, I'll get better. Um, and whilst I'm not against medication, you know, it, 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 it is helpful at different stages and for different people. Um, but it was really all that was offered. Hospitalization as well. Is, is just didn't feel like it was helpful for me being in a hospital. Um, so the spaces that they created weren't, weren't healthy for me to be in, um, for me to get well again. Um, so, I mean, it's taken a, a lot of years to, to unpick and understand my needs you know, and the, uh, the point where I'm, 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 I'm always, what would be better? You know, what kind of space do I need? Um, what could I create that um, would just would just serve me better and, and help more? And it, it it feels like a lifelong journey to actually come up with a much much better idea and 
yeah, I felt very, very let down by the system. And um, I, I just got the message that there was something terribly wrong with me and um, medication would fix that. And, and that wasn't, that wasn't my, that wasn't what I, what I believed. Thank you. And in your book, you mentioned that um, you had uh, sexual abuse as a child and uh, that was uh, triggering yeah. uh, your episodes. Uh, I was wondering if you, um, if, the, if the system at that time or through the times, it provided a safe space to listen to you or ask you, uh, or did you have a space to share it uh, in that system? Yeah. Um, first, I just need to explain, first of all, that um, the sexual abuse so if contact as first episode, um, up to that point, I didn't know that I had been sexually abused. And I, and I started to talk about it during my time in hospital. And I spoke to my mum about it. So she knew that I was talking about it. Um, but nothing was done beyond that. Um, I think my mum in her um, wisdom at the time felt that it's just best left. You know, if I don't remember it. And so um, it didn't go beyond a conversation between me and my mother. Um, so I was actually asked about it when I came out of hospital. Um, I had a session with somebody and, and, and they asked me lots and lots and lots of questions. And they asked me whether I'd been sexually abused. And I said, no, I haven't because I didn't have any memory. And it was only during that, um, you know, that first episode of psychosis that I felt like I had, I knew that I had, and I, and I spoke about it. And so in a way there was a missed opportunity there that I was, I was, it was like a cry for help. I was, I was saying in that psychotic state, I was saying something, a, a big truth about myself. It was like a, a cry for help that wasn't picked up. But also, um, I think that for people who've been through traumatic experiences like with sexual abuse as a child, you know, as a, at a young age, um, somehow you learn with a, a, an unconscious mechanism to dissociate, to escape from the difficult situation that you're in because you don't have the emotional um, skills to be able to deal with it or tell anybody or know that it's wrong. So, uh, uh, you know, what's common is to learn without even, it's not even, you don't, you know, you don't even learn it. You just suddenly know how to do it. You check out and you learn to escape um, the actual experience that you're going through. And that mechanism, it serves you well. It serves you really well at that time. It's, it, you know, it helps you, but it also means that you're developing something which it's not always useful in later life. So when you're then facing 
a difficult situation in life, that's like a trapdoor that you can go through very, very easily, very quickly, rather than dealing with what's actually happening in your life. So, you know, I'm a very, very sensitive person. And I learned um, at a very young age because of sexual abuse, how to, and now the medical professional would call it dissociate. I mean, it is dissociation. Um, but I believe it doesn't, I, I go into another realm which actually exists. You know, I, I leave my physical here aware part of me in this dimension and I enter the spiritual dimension. Thank you. Um, so during your quest for wholeness, your healing journey, yeah. you tried many different modalities. Um, what is the common theme running through all of these modalities that you try, um, how they relate to each other, how they yeah. evolve. Well, they, they all evolve naturally in succession as I discovered them, you know, in a linear fashion in this kind of perfect way um, in, in some kind of order which made sense. Um, so that they they built upon each other. So you could say they're all slightly different and, and serving different purposes. But I think ultimately what they or that what they are all chipping away at is helping me uh, reclaim who I really am. You know, they're all a different way to access deeper parts of me which um, I've hidden away or you know, for example, like the shiatsu, before I did shiatsu, I repressed my emotions. It's what I'd learned as a child um, just to survive, you know, in a British culture. And with the shiatsu, I learned, um, I, I accessed repressed emotions. And with that accessing of emotions, I became more and more able to access them on a daily basis when they were actually coming up at the time. So that is a way of being more authentic. You know, I'm not pretending to be anything else anymore. Um, I've learned through all those modalities to find the more authentic part of me and allow that out instead of um, what I've been conditioned, you know, to, to be. And so I think they if I connected them all up into one theme, it would be, yeah, to do with authenticity and um, uncovering the real me, you know, beneath all of that mess that was there. I see, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, explaining so well. Um, you also mentioned that you tried the family constellation workshop. Uh, yeah. Where you the family tree and the stories, mysteries. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, in, um, in what sense? Because I mean, I remember in, in the book at that point, um, I didn't want to go there. I wasn't ready to access it I and see. the family constellation stuff. So um, I'm just it's trying to, I'm not sure that I've fully made sense of it myself yet. Um, on that level. Um, um, I was, I was ah. wondering if there was 
a theme or if you at that point or later on uh, come to find out if there was um, if there was a, a generational trauma going on or did it did it make you to look into that direction later on because you mentioned that for you uh, you're a storyteller yeah uh, and you and writing was um, the one thing that really helped you to share um, and then traumas yeah. are stories that need to be explored. So I was wondering if, uh, if there was anything that you later on found out about constructing your family tree, if there was a okay. if there was intergenerational um, theme going on. Um, yes, the, I mean, I, there was, the, the short answer is that there was, and you know, coming down from my mother's side. Um, so, um, but, but the, the family constellation, interestingly, I was drawn to it because I'd heard that with psychosis, sometimes you, um, you look down the family line and you find that there has, there's been a death of a, a, a spirit, a death of a member of the family that wasn't acknowledged. And then they expressed them, that soul expresses itself through the most sensitive member of the family. So that was what was I was actually interested in in um, in psychosis and family constellation, but um, at the same time, yes, there is a family um, pattern. But I I don't know what point anything is a pattern, you know, because I only know that it, it came through my mother. My mother experienced it as a as a child, and so it, it it's it was repeating itself it, what's not I do believe that what's not resolved what you don't resolve you pass on to the next generation and for me I've been um, trying to resolve it in myself you know I don't want this to be to continue to another generation um, I, I prefer to make that choice to resolve what's happening um, in this life you know in in my life and my history and um not continue it down the line thank you um i, I really like how you said you were drawn to try all these different modalities on your mm. own yeah which is very inspiring and um so you mentioned that um you didn't see a psychologist or talk to a psychotherapist um, until a later point. Mm. Um, I was uh, I was wondering how um, how did you find your experience with a psychologist, or what was the reason that you um, didn't share it with a psychotherapist? Like, why yeah. did you go through that <clears throat> modality? Um, well, in it, I mean, I must explain in the UK, you know, the health uh, care is, is it's a free system. So um, they don't actually have the money to provide talking therapies to anyone. So I never I never got to have any form of talking therapy um, during the whole course of the book, uh, the time that the, the, the book covers. Um, it, it's not something that I, I was able to access. Um, I was able to witness mental health professionals training in open dialogue, 
which is a, a form of talking therapy. So I could see the value of it and what it could achieve. Um, but I never personally got to experience it myself. But recently I came to Argentina a couple of years ago and um, uh, I actually had, uh, maybe about three years ago, I actually had um, another episode of psychosis here in Argentina. And, and Argentina has a quite a, a very different system, even though it is still all free in Argentina, even to foreigners, which I found, find astounding. Um, they, there are more psychologists and psychiatrists in Buenos Aires than anywhere else in the world. They love talking and they really value talking therapy. So I was actually, for the first time in my life, offered um, sessions with a psychologist. Um, personally, for me, they, I, didn't, I didn't find them of any value um, because simply because I, I just talked and talked and talked about, you know, what had happened and my life now. And there wasn't really any intervention. I don't, I didn't, I didn't find any value in just talking to some, another person without looking at it, without, I think I might've benefited more from a psychotherapist who would have looked at, you know, more deeply at it, but this was more of a, um, just, a talking therapy which it just allows you to talk as if, if talking in itself was enough and um but i have found personally um when i'm coming if i feel myself approaching symptoms of psychosis early symptoms like emotionally and i can't sleep or you know i'm i'm disturbed emotionally um, and I'm in an early stage where I could dissociate from the I'm experiencing. I found that we someone how I feel it, connect with the human So just through my experience, I found just, just sharing my moment really, really valuable. Um, not to make it, but just to bring me back to in the and when I feel that emotional balance and harmony with somebody else I find it really safe and grounding and, and it makes me safer to be here and stay here and be more relaxed so that's the that's the value I found in it but I, I'm aware that there is so much more it could offer me that I would that I never I never got to explore um just because of our health system and how it is. And, you know, I would have to have gone privately and I, I, I didn't have the money for that. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Um, and then um, the healing journey that you took, uh, approaching mm -hmm. it from a spiritual dimension, um, while reading the book, I personally found um, so many parallels with the, uh, with a psychological dimension. Um, and then I was wondering, um, how, do you, how do you think in your opinion, um, the psychological and the spiritual world uh, can integrate? That is a, an amazing question. It's a big question. Um, just give me a moment and let me 
Let me think about that. Um, I think the best way to answer that is really to um, tell you about um, what I'm doing now, which is which is feels like is like the final piece missing from the help that I've needed, and it's it's in a form of meditation, which is called non-dual meditation. So I become more aware of like if you imagine we have a sky and the clouds and the clouds are passing through the sky the clouds are thoughts or experiences normally we kind of we we dive into that experience and get lost in it and, it and we think it's who we are this thought that we're having we believe it and and so non-dual meditation it allows us the space around those thoughts like we are the sky and to watch all the, the different thoughts passing through. And we begin to see how many different habits, beliefs, characters, patterns we have in ourselves that come up in the form of, you know, clouds and thoughts and passing through the sky. Um, and, and they're all quite mad. They are all quite mad. And that's what we all have in common, whether you know, we're having a psychotic experience or not. And so in strengthening the grounding around that, um, spiritual, so you're no longer associating with yourself as like this ego identity person, Emma Good, a separate self. I have widened my experience to include everything and um, the wholeness, the connection, the oneness that we all are in terms of at the consciousness level, it's like reconnecting with the whole of our consciousness and then watching the psychology pass through the sky, if you like. So um, I think that integrates the two um, and I strengthen the groundwork I strengthen the ground of my being, which is spiritual, to allow all of this psychological material to pass through much more calmly so that I don't freak out about it all, you know, that I don't get too lost in it all. I don't associate with it so much. Um, I dissociate from it, but not through dissociation and, and escaping. It's through a choice, choosing, remembering, that that's not who I am and widening my field of experience to include um, this oneness of consciousness. Thank you. Thank you. That was very insightful. Uh, <laughs> is there you. anything else you would like uh, to share with us? Um, I suppose, yeah, I'd quite like to say a little bit more about open dialogue. Um, because that feels so important. Um, and I do, I do, you know, I think this is a missing piece that's happening in the UK and I know it's happening in the States and in Australia and different, different countries around the world are following Finland's model. Um, so within the psychiatric services, there is this, um, new form of treatment called open dialogue which 
includes everything that I've been saying. It, it, you know, you, you bring together a network of people um, to support the person. They call it the person at the center of concern. You're not the patient. You're not stigmatized as there being anything wrong with you. You're expressing a breakdown in relationships around you. And so the, the, the mental health services, what they are there to do is to, they're there to facilitate um, everyone's voice to be heard. And it's usually in those voices that have been silenced um, that, you know, we discover, we discover the truth um, behind um, what's going on and, and people can, can um, come together as a family network or a friend network and rebuild relationships because they see that relation, breakdown of relationships is what causes mental distress and that when you rebuild those relationships, the mental distress falls away. You know, it's like the idea of, of, of a, if, if a plant is stuck in a cupboard and it can't grow because of the light, you don't, you don't think there's something wrong with, you, with the plant. You know, you put it out into the garden in the light with the rain and you water it. And so it's the idea of a human being um, that we, we should all be thriving. You know, we're amazing, amazing uh, creatures on this planet and we could be thriving. And open dialogue is my hope. It's my beacon of hope in the mental health services, but it is, all is not lost and things are moving in the right direction. And that's why I chose to end my book there, because ultimately I think, you know, this, this all we're heading in the right direction. You know, this is um, I've been through my my life and my story um, is not in vain, you know. Um, and yeah, so my hope is that anyone reading my story who relates can know that uh, things are, are are getting better and there is better help out there available you know to, to so that we can you know we don't just have to live um a second-rate life with um being told that we'll never we'll never be able to function properly in the world again that that i don't believe that i think we can we all have the potential to thrive so yeah thank you emma that was a beautiful message and um, I wanted to thank you again for joining us today, sharing your story and being a beacon of hope to everyone who's listening. And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks for joining us. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode.